0: things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet
1: and a more prosperous future.
0: That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and
1: present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 5 Just Stop the Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment based podcast. If it's green, it's in. Dale, last week we had a bit of a field day, really, because the Tories, true to form, were the gift that kept on giving and they haven't let us down this week either.
0: No, I mean, what they do seems seems crazy to me. As Like, you'd think they'd shot themselves in both feet last week with those announcements of saving us all from fake green nonsense, you know, Johnson style, and yet the right-wing press carried those stories as if they're real, and so, you know, where, where we're
1: coming from, it looks stupid. Yeah.
0: Some people are reading that and thinking, wow, thank God for Rishi.
1: This was the extraordinary agenda of, of Rishi Sunak saying, you know, we will help you by not taxing feet or something <laughs> like that. And everyone's going, well, hang on. There was never a proposed tax on it. That's right. Or- yeah, we're not going to do it. Well, it didn't exist. So <laughs> you don't have That's to crazy. do it. There was a whole list of these That's things. But they, I mean, this week, they've almost gone for bullseye in some respect because the Rosebank oil mm. field has been given the go-ahead. Mm. Now, if anything symbolically and literally was at odds with the entire agenda that the world is getting on with, it has to be this. It has to be. It's a massive two
0: fingers to to the whole world, actually, especially the British people. It comes uh, with the deceit that accompanies all Tory announcements. The claim that Rosebank will lower energy bills is absolute bollocks because no amount of fossil fuels made here can do that. We allow the global market to set the price which is why last winter we paid 10 times more for our own North Sea gas than we normally did. So richie Sunak knows this. He's just talking bollocks when he says this will lower energy bills. And the second claim is, of course, it would give us energy security. Well, you know, it's a tiny amount of oil. The last drops of the North Sea, it'll run out in somewhere between 10 and 20 years from now. I don't see energy security in that. The real energy security, of course, is in renewable energy, and the real lowering of bills is also in renewable energy. And on top of that, I was on the World at One program uh, two days ago this week, or maybe it was yesterday, time flies, and this spokesperson for Rosebank claimed that the government weren't putting any money into the building of Rosebank, when the truth is we are funding it with £4 billion so that a Norwegian company can develop it and, get this, take the oil straight out of our country. It won't even be processed here, straight out of our country and sold on the international markets.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's right? I'm sitting there going, (laughs) hang on a second. What the... Is going on. If you said, okay, let's analyze this from a conservative perspective, like they might ask you to do, you know, for a a dissertation on on this subject, you would go, okay, now this subject uh, is clearly controversial, but shouldn't be, but it is. However, what the Tories are doing is they're implementing their own market ideas and they're looking at it from an economic perspective and potential prosperity. Now, that would make sense. If you weren't just giving all the money away to another country, but so it that doesn't even make sense on their own kind of philosophy of, of of basic domestic economics, it makes no economic sense. We will give away four billion pounds
0: to a Norwegian company, and the projections are that in its lifetime, Rosebank will lose us 750 million pounds. So it will pay tax when it starts producing oil, which is yeah. what they like to talk about. But the net position for us currently looks like minus nearly a billion pounds. What's, where's the economics in that? That's, that's just crazy. And of course, we then have to pay for the decommissioning because none of the oil companies pay to clean up the mess they leave behind in the North Seas. And that's an unknown price tag. So yeah. it's all it's all utter nonsense from an economic point of view. And we know on the flip side that if we spend four billion pounds on, for example, solar power projects in our country, we can create something like 30,000 jobs instead of the piffling 450 that Rosebank boasts about. And twice the GDP growth as oil and gas investments can. It's just so uneconomic. It's incredible that they're doing it. But, but it's not about economics. It's about politics. It's about positioning themselves as the, the hammers of green nonsense and net zero and, and this kind of stuff, which is what yeah, the yeah. fake announcements last week were about as well. You know, we're going to save you from a meat tax you know but there isn't one as like you said you know what i
1: mean they're like uh, uh I'm sorry. Oh, it was meat i thought it was feet there you go you see i didn't even read the old shit properly <laughs> 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 you see I, I mean i i love the norwegians i love a norway there's not, nothing wrong with norway it's a beautiful place i just don't think giving them four billion quid of other people's money is the way forward it's, it's, it's not an unreasonable position well it's not we have a cost of living crisis here right
0: I mean, correct. Yes, there are there are reasons to be cautious. We have a shortage of money. We can't fund the repair programs for schools. And so we have to shut them in case the ceilings fall on the heads of pupils. But we can give four billion pounds to the Norwegians to make money from our North Sea to pull out oil that will never land in this country. Um, I mean, uh,
1: <sighs> what do you. What, <laughs> <laughs> do you know how you thought you died then? Dear. I thought this is. This is the moment. He went how he'd have wanted to go, uh, pissing off the Tories, whinging about them and uh, doing a podcast. You know, I that's- can't believe
0: them. I just can't believe them. I'm exasperated beyond beyond words. So I I resort to noises. You are not alone in that because there is a survey out this week that says two thirds of people do not trust the Tories on
1: the environment. Well, what a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah.
0: And like you know, it's not like they've earned it, is it? You know, everything everything they do, everything they say. Yeah. And and it wouldn't matter, I mean it really wouldn't matter if there was any logic any science, any economics in what they're saying and what they're doing, if there was anything, any shred of justification other than politicising the climate and net
1: zero, but there isn't. This was an Ipsos poll as well that was on the back of the new commitments or non-commitments to net zero. Um, And it found that despite the government's efforts, only a quarter of the public perceives these changes as reflecting a long-term approach to climate change. 39% saw them as short-term measures. Well, I mean, you almost didn't really need to ask anybody that because the Tories themselves laid out their f*** off agenda for everybody (laughs) to see. Yeah, yeah. And I
0: think it's it's desperation. They're trailing in the polls badly. They've got nothing to boast about. I mean, they can't talk about their record in office for the last 13 years because it's a f-ing disaster. All, <laughs> they've got, all, all they've got is this culture war approach to to try and split the country around the green agenda, which is the answer to the cost of living crisis that the Tories have created. It, you know, the mad irony and all of that is exasperating.
1: Yeah. But it doesn't stop you, Dale, going to see them next week. <laughs> that, uh, because a- secretly <laughs> you love to cuddle a Tory. Is that right?
0: <laughs> I don't quite cuddle them, but I was a human shield for Therese Coffee last year, if you remember. Yeah, this
1: was when you... You were going down the escalator, or something. She was. You were going up. She was coming down, or
0: something. No, no, she was going up as well. But on the opposite escalator, uh, some TV crews were trying to uh, what her, you could call it. Yeah, shouting questions at her, and she kept hiding behind me. And I got off the top, and I thought I'd just get out of the way. And she was like following me, keeping me between her and them. (laughs) And at the
1: end, she said sorry, but it was weird. It was just weird. I'm like, "Mm." when they remake that film, that Whitney Houston movie, The Bodyguard, with Kevin, (laughs) it's it's, she's going to be Whitney. You're going to be Kevin Costner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be all set in Birmingham on an escalator, Manchester. Um, but yes,
0: what was it, Birmingham? Maybe you're right. Anyways, Manchester this year. It yep. starts on Monday, and I'm going down on Sunday. And we've got a little surprise for them. We've made a film and hired some big screens, and um, yeah, we're going to share this film with, uh, with the with conference attendees. You know, I think, and and it's, you know, it's it, in the way that we do. It's about sharing facts and perspectives and hoping to influence people.
1: When you go, because there was a couple of years ago, of course. I mean, there's there's a whole book in your attendance to the Conservative Party (laughs) conference. There's always a tale that comes out of it. There was the time you got refused despite having the accreditation, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the the first year, which is, I think, uh, two
0: years ago now, The Express got me a pass. And then somebody in conservative HQ noticed my name and said, oh, no, we can't let him in. Uh, And they rescinded the pass. And the editor of The Express wrote to them and said, look, he's a journalist. He writes for The Express. Can you give him a pass? They relented eventually, but they gave me a pass that said Daily Express exhibitor, like in the exhibition hall. Yes, The Daily Express didn't have an exhibition stand, so I was a bit odd. But it meant I couldn't go into the press briefing and ask awkward questions. (laughs) That
1: was a shame. Or you could have just invented an exhibit to take with you. I don't know what you'd have exhibited.
0: But I, I wouldn't have gone to the press briefing last year. I got the proper press card, uh, press whatever. Yeah, well, they
1: they really. I mean, they they don't. This is the stupid thing about political parties, and maybe the Tories have a PhD in this, but you you shouldn't be pissing anybody off. And if somebody is outside the tent as you clearly are politically and otherwise, then you're the very person they should say, do you know what, come on down and have a look at what we do, to see what we're about. Like any kind of organization, religion, whatever it happens to be, come in and see what we're about, not piss yeah. off. I mean, that's the, <laughs> the very antithesis of what you're meant to do in a democracy. Yeah. And,
0: and in that same year that I struggled to get in, there were some Windrush protesters that had their passes revoked and they simply weren't allowed in. That's yeah. how democratic this party is. Here's a
1: question from somebody called A. I love this. Not yeah. There's no other part of their name, just A. <laughs> it's kind of Bond-esque, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah. Anyway, A says, uh, what is your view on small hand-built turbines as part of the transformation to renewables? It's a passion project of mine. And thought you'd be the best person to speak to. Well, like I think small windmills have got a role to play, absolutely. And up until
0: about 10 years ago, we had a thriving industry, probably half a dozen manufacturers here. Cameron shut the wind industry down, and, and along with it, all of the small manufacturers as well. I, there's one left running that I know of, and, and it's ours. It's called Britwind. And we make a 5 and a 15 kilowatt turbine, but they play a great role. The 5 kilowatt is house-sized, and the 15 kilowatt is small business-sized. And we're exporting them right now, all over oh. the world. We're selling them everywhere except in Britain because of the the rules that we deal with here. <laughs> it's that's so funny,
1: isn't it? it is a, it's another another part of the chapter. We sell them <laughs> everywhere apart from where we uh, actually where made actually. It's <laughs> another wonderful piece of unbusiness like decision yeah. making. On a similar vibe, uh, Christine says, Dale, you said the wind turbine new planning rules are just window dressing could you explain why i'd love to understand so i could pass it on to the greens who replaced me after i stood down as a councillor there you go um yes you i think this was last episode wasn't it? you referenced the fact that the Tories now saying that offshore can happen you said it's essentially bollocks i think was your word
0: it could be it sounds like me uh from time to time yeah i, I do go there but look um So the the new rules enacted by Cameron all those years ago effectively banned onshore wind by allowing just one single objection to stop any project and also requiring all wind applications to be in zones that are in a local plan. And these local plans move at the speed of glaciers. So if you were trying to get your, your site into a local plan now, you'd be lucky to see it in there five years from now. And so there was a couple of things used just to push them out. The changes made weren't made to the local plan approach, and they said they would no longer allow one single person to object to a project. I think they've changed it to two or something like that. But they yeah. weren't specific about you know how the new process would work. It was just a PR announcement,
1: and there's nothing in that for us. Uh, well, sticking with windmills as well, because I don't know if you saw this story, but Donald Trump. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) previously, of course, he told the world that you can't have whimos because they kill birds. Now he's moved on to marine life. Donald Trump said that whimos are driving whales crazy, Uh, driving them around, causing marine mammals to die in numbers never seen before. It was a bizarre tirade (laughs) in South Carolina but yeah he said that the birds died didn't he i mean it, you know once in a while i'm sure a bird does get collared by a windmill like the bird could get collared by a pylon or anything else for that matter and that's sad and all the rest of it but
0: do you know that windows are the biggest killer of birds office windows is that right and cats and cats actually i mean cats kill millions anyway i think what he did say also was that uh, they cause cancer this is back in his heyday as uh you know leader of the free world yes <laughs> which is not at the moment <laughs> true <laughs> Now the whales are going crazy. You don't want a crazy whale on your hand. Well, I think we had that in the White House, didn't we, a couple of years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Ka-ching.
1: That's true enough, yeah. Um, So advice to anybody who's bought into Donald Trump's whale crazy caper story?
0: Just don't, right? I mean, this is Donald Trump. You know, he's not a man renowned for uh, anything remotely logical or truthful. And I think, actually, we've got a lot to not thank him for in the behaviour of the Conservative Party here. Johnson in particular, but Sunak seems to have picked up this ball and run with it. You know, they talk absolute bollocks as if it's the absolute truth and that nobody's ever going to catch them out. From windmills
1: to windfall, this was Gordon Brown, former Prime Minister, has called for the world's richest oil states to pay a global windfall tax to help poorer nations combat climate change.
0: Yeah, I saw that. And this idea of kind of reparations and uh, and money to help adaptation and that kind of stuff. I understand it, but I think it's putting the cart before the horse. Because I think if we can raise a shit ton of money, we should spend it first on getting to net zero so that we stop increasing the rate at which the climate is changing. We've got to do that first before we try to mitigate and adapt. Otherwise, we're like bailing out a boat with a
1: leaky bucket. Here's a question from Jack who says, why are the Scottish Greens still promoting heat pumps as the way forward? Why is anybody still promoting heat pumps as the way forward, I
0: would say? And I don't have an answer. I think some people clearly have a commercial interest. Uh, The Tories, it was Johnson actually, he said, look, we'll have this national program, heat pumps are the answer. You know, we've costed it and and found all the kinds of, all the wrinkles with it that he would have never looked at because he just listened to a a lobbying group and and said, yeah, this is the answer. But he also never really set about trying to implement it either in classic Johnson fashion. The, The thing about heat pumps is They've definitely got a role to play, no doubt about it. And for some people, they work really well. But unfortunately, for nearly 25% of homes in Britain, they won't work ever. And for another 25%, you need a massive upgrade of insulation and heating systems and that kind of stuff. I won't go into the long list of of things that are wrong with the idea of a national program, but they have a role to play.
1: Uh, One from Rosie. I'd like practical advice on how every day people can take action against fossil fuel giants. Because we've said many times, haven't we, that leading a more environmentally considerate life is not about you doing everything. It's about everybody doing a bit. And if everybody did, then the jigsaw puzzle comes into place. And I think that's a reasonable question, isn't it? You know, what can you practically do? Because we hear all the headlines. There's a lot of people sitting at home in their armchair thinking, well, what am I meant to do about this? Yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, if you step
0: back and you look uh, across the piece, uh, energy, transport, and food are the three big things that we all spend our money on every day. 80% of our carbon footprints are in there, and it is about how we power our homes, how we travel, and what we eat. And we can make different choices in all of those three sectors. Some of those choices will cost a little more. Some of them won't. So really it's about uh, you know doing whatever you can afford to do and feel like doing. The easy one is just stop eating meat. I mean, it's not a fossil fuel thing, but stop eating meat Uh, or or reduce eating meat as you say you haven't got to go all the way just just take a step down the road but the biggest thing we can all do is vote at the next election and get this bunch of fools out of number 10
1: and should we talk food as a final subject before we get on to another question food is something that forms a big theme around this podcast but huge passion of yours because when the environment is discussed people talk about windmills and fossil fuels and all the other bits and pieces that go with it but you've always argued very passionately that actually the food industry is a absolutely crucial prong to this entire subject
0: yeah so like it's one of the big 3 energy transport and food as i mentioned just now but but it's more than just a cause of the climate crisis the animal farming industry, the intensive animal farming industry, is is a driver of the global wildlife crisis that we're facing, the extinction uh, of species on an unprecedented level. I think it's the sixth grade extinction of, of our planet or something like that. That's caused by animal farming. Oxford University have shown that 75% of farmland could be freed up if we just stop eating animals and, and eat plants instead, which is a mad amount. in In our country terms, it's half of our entire country. So it's driving... Uh, wild animals to the brink of extinction this is our diet and also it's killing us because, you know, there's a there's an epidemic of disease that affects us, particularly in later life, chronic disease, heart disease, cancer and that kind of stuff, diabetes as well. And and this is, I think, where it's particularly relevant because the government allows the food industry to poison us with this stuff, with processed and ultra-processed food that is chock full of fat, salt, and sugar. And that's driving this health problem, along with the fact that it's got animal products in it as well. And this study was so brilliant because our government always says the same thing when they're asked to intervene and make sure that people eat safe food or clean food, healthy food. Firstly, they won't even give advice, let alone change the industry. But they say, we don't want to be the nanny state. But in this study, 90% of people said they think the government should intervene in the food system.
1: And a final question from June. I love this because this is quite all-encompassing. When can we start a revolution? Um, <laughs> brackets peaceful, if you insist. Yeah,
0: well, you know, I do insist, um, and I think it's at the ballot box. It's the next election. I can't wait. My entire focus now is shifting to that election and what we can do to to really harness the the green votes of the country. You know, whatever your political persuasions, there are so many people in our country that care about the climate crisis. You know, conservative voters included in that. So we we're, we're about to uh, launch a new campaign. We'll probably detail it next week, so I won't say any more about it right now.
1: Perfect. Listen, Dale, we will speak in a week when you return with Tales <laughs> from the That's Tory a- Conference. It should be fun, that cannot wait have a good week yeah nice one see you later uh, that's it for this episode don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider that way you get each new episode automatically leave a review there as well really important bit follow dale on social media that's twitter.com slash dale vince facebook.com slash dale vince zero carbon east off.